Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So glad you're tuned in this evening. The Word's going to affect your life tonight. The Word is going to change you. So if you'll tune in and say, I want to be changed, it's about to happen. Hallelujah. We've been ministering on a subject called Living Above. We could call it anything. We could call it the Christian life. We could call it uh, the new birth. But we're going to just say for that, we're living above tonight. And when we say living above, you know what I mean. Living above all the trash, trash and, and trouble. We, we, we're in the world, and so we, we can't uh, uh, say it won't be around us, but it won't, we won't have it. Amen. So I want to lift up the Lord Jesus that makes us live above. He's always, he's always there. He's a very present help in time of trouble. And I looked at that scripture today in Psalm 89 that talks about, uh, that he, he lays help on the mighty. And in the Lord Jesus, we're mighty. He lays help on the mighty. So I've been claiming help. How about you? The only way to multiply your life is to either have the miraculous supernatural where, where you're translated and you go 20 miles and it only seemed like a hundred yards or he puts help with you. He actually puts something in your life. So if you would with me, turn into Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, we're living above. Praise God. Hallelujah. And even the testimony tonight is talking about living above. And we prayed tonight about the weather coming into uh, eastern Mississippi and western Alabama. We just took authority over it yes. because we're not putting up with it. We're not... We're not going to go fix stuff with, with our prayers and our faith. We're going to keep it from ever messing up. We're going to get it on the... Mark Brzee always said, uh, pray out ahead. Get ahead of life and pray out ahead instead of getting behind and having to pray how to fix it and how to, how to uh, 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 gain back. Pray out ahead and you won't even have those troubles. It says in chapter 4 of Mark in the verse 14, we looked at this. Well, let's read it through real quick. The sower soweth the word. And these are by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, but when they have heard, the word is sown, but when the word is sown, which means, sown means they've heard the word. Is that right? When they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away, taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. So it's not enough just to hear it and say, I got it. I mean, I, I heard it and therefore it's in me. Because he can, he obviously right here, he can take it away by circumstances, situations, people around you. And these are that likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard, they've heard, they've heard the word, who when they've heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. So we need to root in ourselves, don't we? To, to, to win at life with the Lord Jesus, we have to hear the word and have a root in ourselves. But these have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. All of us have been there. Yeah. All of us had to grow through that. And there's a lot of Christians that hadn't grown through it yet. They have no root in themselves. They're just on the surface. They're, they're flaky. They're, they're moved by every wind of doctrine, it says in Ephesians. So they endure for, but for a while. Afterward, when affliction or pressure or persecution arises for the word's sake, for the word's sake, not just because you're silly, but for the word's sake, immediately, right now, fast, they are offended. And uh, the word there means that they're, they are caused to fall away. The word is scandalon, scandalous. And these are they which are sown among thorns. So there's a lot of weapons in there to get the word out of us that we hear. These are those which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, so they heard it too, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches 
and the lusts or the appetites of other things entering in choke the word, choke the word, the word that you heard, and it becometh, the word becometh unfruitful. So right there we can see that the goal of hearing the word is for the word to be fruitful. And the word is fruitful. Wherever it's sown, it has the potential to be fruitful. So there's the 30, 60, and 100 fold. There's all kinds of fruitfulness. But so the devil, you know, he's trying to keep the word that has been sown from coming up and becoming profitable. And these are they which are sown on good ground. What are they, Lord, such as hear the word? Well, they all heard the word. What's different? And receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. We looked at that, and and we're not going to go over that again. But the word that I'm looking at in verse 20 is the word receive it. Receive. Receive. That's important. And you go, well, if you hear it, you received it. Well, that wouldn't necessarily be true. Uh, The word receive it is, I looked it up, and it's a strange definition or a strange uh, explanation. It means it's used as a son. Your son, when you look at your son, your son is always undeniably your very own. You never, you don't ever say, well, this week you're not a son, but next week we'll look at it. It's undeniable. No matter what they do, no matter what happens, a son is a son. And that's the word that's used to describe receive it. So it becomes yours. It's as if it came out of your own, uh, uh, loins, as it were, and and it is yours, it came from you. Well, the Lord sows the word in you, and it comes out, and it bears fruit. And so it's as a son that's always undeniably one's own. Let's, uh, let's look right there in Mark 11. You're right there, slip over just a few pages, Mark 11. We always look in Mark 11, but let's look down in verse 24. Here's that word receive again. Now, you want to know the difference between people that just sit in church and hear a good message that will give them life and someone that goes out and has fruit in their life and things work and they're prospering and wisdom, they miss all the messes? is because of what they do once they hear. There's another process. It's not just hearing it in your ear gate. There's a process of faith that receives it, receives it. And I tell you all all the time, this is why we minister a topic over and over. Because it, it doesn't matter if people heard it and heard it and heard it. It's only when you receive it that it becomes life-giving and fruitful. We have to receive it. Why, who, why are people sick that have heard about healing? Uh, by a stripe she were healed. Why are they sick? Because somewhere in there they didn't catch, they didn't receive it. It's about everything in our life. You have to, when you get married, it takes a little while to receive her, receive him, till it's undeniable, until you'll, you'll cross every sea and, and all that sort of stuff. So it says in verse 24, therefore, so he's just done 23, the mountain, therefore I say to you, based on 23, what things soever ye desire. So he's talked about desiring things in 23. He says, what things soever ye desire when ye pray. So nothing's happening with the things inside of you even if you, there are needs, until you pray, until you voice the, the promise or the, the uh, actuation of the word. And he said, when you pray, well, what do we pray, Lord? You believe that ye receive them. Well, so that's an active part of our faith. That's a, that's a stop 
process, and transact. Stop, process, and transact. Because there's a cost to truly receiving healing. There's a cost to truly receiving finances. When you truly receive your supply, you don't just say, well, here I am, Lord, you know, hit me if you can. That'd be cool. But there's a transaction of seed time that you say, I'm signed up to receive, but that means I'm signed up to give. And whatever Holy Ghost says, I'm signed up. Well, I don't want that part. I just want the back part. Well, you're the people that come to Thanksgiving dinner and mama's been in there all day long and, and part of the day before and she puts it all that and then it's like a horde of locusts that comes in and just whooshes on it and then it's gone and they all burp and go off to the TV and she's there, you know, it took her two days and it's gone in 30 minutes. Well, that's the way people are, Christians are about the word. They just come in and whoosh it and sing and dance and carry on and isn't that great and y'all come over and we'll do this and that. But that's not the process. The process, all that's okay, but we have to, we have to get to a thing where we say, I'm sitting down in front of the word, whoever's ministering it, and I'm about to tune in so that I can receive the word. Cause it is just, it's just air going over us if we don't receive it. We came in and had a fun transaction, had a fellowship, had a, I got up and wanted to get out transaction, but until we get the word into the receptive mode, revelation, till it becomes revelation, receiving is just revelation. I see it. Well, what do you mean you see it? We've been reading it for five weeks. That's not it, is it? You see it. The light comes on, you, you're activated, and suddenly you're changed inside because of something you received. And I, we talked about it Sunday that that's the way the tithe is. Until you see it, it's a load, it's a burden, it's a tax, it's a, it's a grump. Until you see it, you know, and you're okay, okay, okay. But once you see it, it's like, whoo-hoo, it's, it's giving time. Well, you know, it takes a while to get into that mode genuinely. Hallelujah. So he said, um, when you pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. So ye receive them by the eye of faith. It's not like you receive them physically. You receive them like you would have a son. Your son's in Philippines, your son's serving in Canada, your daughter is in, in Hong Kong in the service or whatever. Yeah, that distance doesn't separate you from your children. I mean, they're over there and you're over here, but wow, you know, we're connected and, and all that. The, uh, the Amplified says, believe that it is granted to you. Now that's a process because that puts us in the, in the, uh, in the future of, I have it. Even though there's time between you and that, time is erased and we have it as if it was now, even though it's not now. Does that make sense? It's granted to us. Uh, there's a decree. It's, it's, uh, it's like signing your mortgage. You know, once you sign your mortgage and stuff, nobody else is going to move in, theoretically. Anyway, hallelujah, that it's yours and you've received it. The TLB, the Living Bible, says, if you believe, you have it, it's yours. If you believe, you have it. So you, you walk around people and says, well, God's going to heal me. Well, God's going to supply this. You just know they don't have it. They're in hope, and hope is good, and it's part of it, but that's, that's not have it. Someday, uh, we said this one time, it says, you know, people that have been, they say, I'm on the edge of breakthrough. Well, you could be on the edge of breakthrough for 30 years and never break through. <laughs> so I have to say I have breakthrough. Amen. 
Uh, the word, uh, I looked up this word receive in the Greek. And, you know, y'all get a lot of word studies here, but, but I, like I said, we're trying to get something in us and look at it like a diamond. It's faceted. We're looking at it from every angle and seeing the sparkle and the gleam so that we can, we can assimilate all of it into our being. This is who we are, but we're having to put it on or put it in because who we were is warring against who we've become. And so we see ourselves at this. When I first went in the ministry, I was a dirt farmer and, uh, I didn't shave every day. I didn't shave every third day. I just shaved when I was going to the bank, going to church. And that day I shaved. And I didn't get haircuts all the time. And so I had a bill hat and it, you know, I was a mess. I'm telling you, I was a mess. But I loved farming. I just loved it. I didn't like to come to town. Um, but when I got uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit and uh, started a church in Seminole, well, I was still a farmer on the inside. And people saw me because I was, I'd been in the county for a lot of years and I knew everybody. And so what I did is I put on a coat and tie and slacks and pretty boy shoes. Well, no, I probably still had my boots. And I would go down to the office and be by myself all day long. But I'd be in that coat and tie. And if I went to the post office, I might see somebody, you know, that would say, hey, but otherwise, I was just working on me. And I wore a coat and tie to work by myself for two years in a town of farmers and, and oil. No, nobody was wearing a coat and tie, let me just tell you that. But I was putting on what I thought a minister did to get me out of the farm. Now, I, I, I wasn't trying to eradicate the farm out, the, the principles, but I, I saw myself as being just a good old boy. And I had to change that. Well, that's what we have to do. This word receive means to take. So let's plug that in, verse 24. Uh, what's things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you take them. Okay, take them. That's different than the UPS truck is coming tomorrow. It means to get hold of. So let's read that. When you pray, believe that you take ho- that you get hold of them. So that's bringing it into the present. It means to catch, and it means to have. Believe that ye catch them. So that's an important word. It's, it's really the word of faith. It's when you possess by your spirit what you don't really see by your sight or your knowledge. We could go to Hebrews and talk about faith and the substance of things hoped for, but that's not our point tonight. Uh, the point is that... that our lives as Christians, we're not just an old sinner saved by grace. We're not even just saved by grace. Our job is to receive the kingdom. We are nets here on the earth to receive the kingdom, and nobody else has got a net uh, on there. So we said this Sunday, let's say it again. The devil, it's a, it's a, a faith key. The devil can't take what you have taken. Now think about that. The devil can't take what you've already taken. If he's taken something, then you don't have it. You don't, you hadn't possessed it. You hadn't got hold of it. You haven't caught it. If he's able to wrestle it out of you, you're not holding on. You know, you watch football. We all watch football. And a major key to all the, uh, the, the, uh, defense is to, when, when an old boy's got the ball and running or catching one and running, is you try to reach in there, you watch him try to reach in there and scoop that ball out and make him fumble to see if he 
has it. And some of them are winging it out here and, you know, flopping around and they got that ball out there. I couldn't even put my hand around one, but they're, you know, whoa, they got these big boys with hands like claws and, and they've taken it. But sometimes it gets away. Well, sometimes in faith it gets away from us. We think we got healing. We think we have supply. We think we have things. Uh, but we didn't or it couldn't be taken away. The devil can't take what you have taken. Uh, and so what's, what's our job? Our job is to take hold of anything that's in the Word before the devil can steal it from us. Once you've been exposed to it, once you heard healing is for you, that supply is for you, that peace is for you, the devil just starts a campaign to take it away from you before you get it. So my job is to meditate the Word and agree with God and say, you know, Jesus paid for my healing. I'm not going to let the devil steal it from me. You go, well, what's that all about? I'm telling you, that's the faith key. It's a faith key. So the devil only has success. Where does he have success with Christians? Listen to me. He only has success where people have heard the word, just like we saw here in, in Mark 4, but they've not received it. They're fumbling it. They're wallering it. It's like, well, yeah, we're, we're healed. We believe in healing. That's a sure sign right there that <laughs> you ain't got it. We believe in healing. Oh, that is so, UPS is coming next week to bring me something. That is so, I don't have it. We believe in healing. No, we have healing. We have, I have my healing. It doesn't matter what it looks like. So in Matthew chapter 7, just uh, slip back there. Let's just preface this scripture with, with uh, one, something the Lord Jesus said. In chapter 7, we like this verse. It's in chapter 7, verse 24. And there's a long story here, and we're just breaking in, of course, because of the way it's written. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, so we're, we're in the same track of Mark 4, heareth, and doeth them, hear them and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the wind blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. It fell not. Why? For it was founded upon a rock, a rock of revelation, a rock of the word, a rock of receiving. But then he goes on and he said, the contrast is, everyone that heareth these things of mine, same, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, a foolish man that's in church, that's in the word, that's playing this CD, that's, that's, that's hearing the word. You think, well, there's not a foolish man on the planet that's listening to the word. Jesus said there is. He said that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. He said that's a foolish man. He said he'll be likened into a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house and... What happened? It fell and great was the fall of it. People that were in church hearing the word are devastated, wiped out, set aside. And what's the difference? Jesus said it plainly. They are hearers and they've received it enough to do it. The gospel's so simple. It's just like, what's the key to having victory? This is it right here. This is the whole key. Like, what else is there? Well, we want more. No, just do this and you'll be fine. <laughs> It'll all work out. So the, the word is the seed, 
And from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the Bible tells us that the Word will reproduce itself. The spoken Word will reproduce itself. Not, not just the Word on black ink and white paper or, you know, whatever, but the, the spoken Word will re- reproduce itself. It's so powerful. And we looked at uh, James chapter 1, so y'all just go there. We didn't look at it Sunday, so let's look at James chapter 1 and see what's the deal about this. James chapter 1. So why does trouble come? What is the devil's motivation? Well, he's just a mean devil, and he just, he just enjoys messing up people's lives. Well, that's probably what we think, and that's probably how it looks, but that's not his intent. He has a focused purpose for what he does. He, he's not... He's, he's stupid sometimes because he doesn't believe what the Word says about him, and that gets him in trouble. But the truth is, he's pretty good at what he does. We can outsmart him and outwit him and everything, unless we don't. It says in verse, uh, let's see where we are here, verse 6 of chapter 1. It says, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering. So here we're talking about Mark chapter 11, verse uh, uh 24, where it says, What things soever you desire, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. He said, Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. It's talking about the wave, like a wave that you see, and like the sea driven with the wind that you feel. It's feelings. It's sensual. It's things we feel. He said, he's like, he's like those that see and feel. And verse 7, for let not that man, the man that's in verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, verse 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, well, then he comes down to verse 7 and says, let not that man that lacks wisdom think he shall receive anything of the Lord. What is the man that lacks wisdom? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So, well, gosh, you're kind of hard on the guy that doesn't have wisdom. Well, it's not just like, I wish we had more wisdom. If you don't have it, you're in a wreck. You're no better than the sinner that doesn't have any wisdom and just follow. Matter of fact, sometimes they don't have the rules that we have that we fail at, uh, the kingdom principles, and sometimes they do better. Jesus said sometimes that they, they do better than the Christians. Well, yay. So the sing, the double-minded man, wrestles with the reality of the Word of God. He wrestles all the time. And we looked at this in uh, the Scriptures about uh, Ephesians chapter 6, where it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Well, the man that's double-minded wrestles. So if you know anybody that's struggling all the time, and you go, what's up with that? You just know that they're double-minded. I see it all the time, do y'all? You should see it big in myself, but I'm, I'm getting singular, aren't you? I'm getting focused. I'm getting my laser focus out there, and I'm not looking for a confirmation to the right or to the left or for people. If I see it in here, and I, you know, get it right with the Holy Ghost, well, then I'm, I'm on it. This dog is on it. We're not letting that thing go. We are a pit bull grabbing the backside of a, a thief that's running. We ain't gonna let go. <laughs> Amen. But the single-minded, the single-minded believer believes that they take it. Now you go, well, what's the difference between single and double? Taking 
or not taking. They, we both hear the word that says you can have it, but taking it makes us single-minded. Because once you have it, once you have that football tucked up under there, and you got that, you know, you, you can bench press 7,000 pounds or squat, you know, 1,400 or whatever those guys do. Well, you got that iron grip around that football, it's not going anywhere. They can pull, they'll knock you down with your arm, but the, that football won't come out. Well, that's what we have to be with the word. It's like, it doesn't matter what you bring, devil. It doesn't matter who's counseling you that says, I'd give it up. This is too hard. Single-minded. And we don't wrestle because we're settled. We're settled. I love to be settled on anything, don't you? Just to settle it. Okay, let's settle it now and not think about it anymore. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he stands, take heed lest he falls. Y'all remember that scripture? Let any man that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. I looked up the word stand, standeth, and it means to be established. So anybody that thinks he's established, and this could happen to anybody. We could be babies in a church, but the most mature and spiritual in a, in a lukewarm baby church, you could be the top banana and still be under the, under the basement. You know what I mean? Sometimes people think they're real spiritual, but they're just spiritual in that pool. But if you move them to a real pool, they don't know anything. Amen. So uh, the passion says, be aware if you think it could never happen to you, lest your pride become your downfall. <laughs> so we, we, we humble ourselves. We say, Lord, I know a lot now. I'm thankful for it. I'm going to go help somebody. But Lord, I'm always learning. Remember that scripture in 2 Timothy that, uh, that talks about to in, in, in the end days, uh, perilous times will come. And it'll, one of the uh, descriptions is, is uh, women that are always learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. They're double-minded. You just tell them and tell them and tell them, show them and show them and show them, and then they come back crying, I can't get it. Y'all pray for me. Well, it's time for us to pray for ourselves in two. So we said, and this is true, the life that attracts the trouble to your life, that very life is able to dominate the trouble. Whatever's attracting, and that's the worst place you can be in is you attract trouble because of who you are and what you know, and then you don't, you, you crumble under the trouble that is attracted by it. We have to dominate it and make it where it doesn't come back. Uh, let's see, we got just a minute. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Talking about living above. It's just not hard. It's so simple that most people can't get it. They just want a long list to work on. And it says in chapter 6, verse 13, which is right after the verse we've been looking at, verse 12, it says we wrestle not. In verse 13, it says, wherefore. So the wherefore is following that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the devil. Wherefore, because of that, take unto you the whole armor of God. Why? That ye may be, well, we're going to beat the devil up. No, you're not. That you're going to be able to withstand in the evil day. So we're not going to destroy the devil. I, at one time in my life, I was, I was banishing him to the, uh, the, uh, the deep end of the sea, the sands of the deep end of the sea or something. I, I forget now, but I was, I was always sending him down the pit. I'm taking, I send you to the pit, you know, the bottomless pit. Well, you can't do that. <laughs> well, you know, I got a lot of, 
I got a lot of energy out of uh, sending him somewhere, hallelujah, out of my life. And that's not it. He says, uh, take the whole armor that ye may be able to stand, withstand. The word withstand that just means to stand longer. Stand, outstand the, the, the devil in this case. Stand, outstand, stand longer than the enemy, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, the evil day of attack. Not every day is a day of attack. But if you ever get into a day of attack and, and the devil gets his foot on your neck, it's hard to recover. But I love, I tell you all the time, Keith Moore said that. He says, when the devil's got his heel on your neck, just say, I'm winning. <laughs> so, uh, and, having, and then he says something interesting. He says, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Well, that's interesting to me. Uh, the word stand there simply means to resist. And having done all to resist, resist therefore. Just keep resisting. Well, when can I let up? When you win, when, when, the, thing, when the trouble goes. Well, how long will that take? Yeah, that's always the question. How long, how many times are you going to be double-minded and have to start over and go back around the mountain? How many times are you going to cry and whine or tell your best friend, I'm really in faith, but let me just tell you what's wrong with me. You know, that, but I'm not believing that, but, but here, here's what I'm going through. Boy, I've done that more than a hundred times. Praise God. Uh, the Amplified says, and having done all that the crisis demands. In other words, standing up to the problem. To stand firmly in your place. I like that. The New Living says, after the battle, oh, I like this, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. After the battle, you will be standing firm. The, uh, Perry, could you put a big sign sometime on the back wall that says what the TEV stands for? Because <laughs> the English version of some kind. Today, you know, I had two little boys in my Seminole church. They were brothers. I couldn't remember their names at all. I said, boy, I pray for them, boys. Just the Lord bless these boys. Bless these brothers, Lord. And sometimes the TEV gets me. Well, it says, after all, and after fighting to the end, you will still hold your ground. I like this. This encourages me. After... After fighting to the end, you will still stand your ground. Now, you don't have to stand it but once. Once you stand it, victory begets victory. You got it in you and say, I've received it. I got this thing. I whipped overwhelming odds, and I've got that football, and nobody's going to take it out. I've got this thing where I received it, and I'm not double-minded. I rehearse the victory. I rehearse the testimony. I go back and say, Lord, I'm in trouble now, but I remember when you delivered me out of this. And then you're not double-minded. The uh, passion, you know we've got to read the passion. It says, for you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Now, in the passion, sometimes in the margin, the author will give the Aramaic. So I wrote that down. It says, after you've conquered, you can stand in victory. Woo-hoo! So there's some conquering to be done. But you know, we ought to be, we're more than conquerors. So we're not always working on the same problem all the time. Now, saints, we got to quit working on the same issue year after year. Uh, we got to, we got to overcome and finally say, I, I got it. I'm going to, I'm going to hang on to this until I wrestle it to the ground 
and make it say calf rope. I'm just not going to just put up with it and endure, Lord, give me strength to, to bear up to it. That's wrong praying. Lord, I thank you for the strength that's whipping this thing and it's out the door. So here's the truth. We are refathered from above. Why? 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 There's so many reasons, but the main reason on earth is to overcome. If you don't overcome, you're just, you're just going around the mountain and just doing, going through the same door and, uh, it never gets better. So, uh, I wrote this down. I, I read it somewhere. Comfortable and casual will never invade the impossible. Well, we're a little vigilante around here. We're a little hyped up. We're a little uh, narrow in some ways about accommodating sin and the devil. We don't talk about sin much. You know, we're against it. It'll, it'll, it'll kill you in your, in, in your body and in your uh, money and everything else. But you know, and I know what sin is. We know the Holy Ghost is, nobody, no preacher can tell you what sin is. I mean, except just read it out of the Word, but you can read it out of the Word. If you read the Word, you can say, you know, it says in Ephesians, steal no more. Okay, I read that. <laughs> it means it. But the Holy Ghost is there to say, don't touch that. Well, Lord, five years ago I did it and you never said a word. Well, yeah. It's, it's narrower now, and you can't touch that. So there was three words the Lord gave me, and I'm going to say these, and, and uh, this is not out of the Word, but the Lord gave me three words week before last, or last week, whenever it was. And uh, before I give you those, I want to say this. A winner is a Christian that finishes what the Lord starts. It's not that we buffet it. I'm kind of a picky buffeter. I, I don't, I don't just get something of everything. I don't even like some of that stuff. And I, I, I talked to her and said, why are you getting that nasty stuff? Why are you getting those raw onions? And why are you getting those pimentos? But, so you have to finish what the Lord starts in your life. It's not start over. It's not like, well, Lord, that's a hard question. Can I have another question to win this? No, your assignment is to do what he's put in front of you. Why? Because there's something behind it that you're going to have to win. And in order to beat that thing out there, you've got to win here. So if you dodge the trouble or the trial or the challenge that's in front of you, you're not facing just another little one. There's the big one that's on the other side. And we don't want that big one until we have attained, we've mastered what's in front of us. So we just have to take it. When the challenge comes, we just have to say, well, I'm going to have to wrestle you to the ground. I'm going to have to whoop your ears off. Hallelujah. So uh, I want to encourage y'all. This is what the Lord gave me this evening. I want to encourage y'all to be encouragers. It's real powerful. Your money is to encourage, not just to throw it away. That doesn't encourage anybody. They'll start calling you and ask for a loan or a gift or whatever. We're talking about you use your money, use your words influentially influentially. You write people letters. I know there's not many letter writers anymore. Or you call them or you text them and just say, well, actually, you should go pray. And then when the Lord says, bring someone up in your heart, you should go call them and say, I've been thinking about you. What's up? And they'll say, man, I'm, I, I fell yesterday and I got this big boogie on my leg. And you just pray for it and the boogie leaves. Or whatever. You know what I mean? We need to be encouragers. And so there was th three words that the Lord told me that are inside of a finisher. 
a finisher. Are we all finishers? We are. We're going to finish what the Lord starts. And there's three words or three, three concepts that he gave me, and I'm going to tell them to you. And the first one is the word stalwart. You've heard that. I looked it up because I, I knew kind of what it meant. It means to be loyal and reliable and hardworking. Stalwart. It means to be strongly built. It means to be sturdy. And it means to be an exceptional participant. Well, I'm stalwart, are you? Go ahead and say it by faith. I'm stalwart. Yeah. It's a loyal, he's reliable, she's hardworking, strongly built, sturdy, and exceptional participant. So I put that word into my life. If you're going to be an encouraged, if you're going to be encouraged yourself, you're going to be moved. How will you know if you're encouraged? Because you become stalwart. The second word is the word resilient. Now these just came, these just came down into me. So I, I don't, I didn't even know what they meant. And what's resilient? Well, we know when stuff bounces back, we call it resilient, but it literally means anyone able to withstand. That's what we just talked about. Outlasting. It means anyone that recovers quickly from difficult conditions. In 2017, I had a difficult condition, and the Lord came on me, and I became resilient. And it didn't, it wasn't, not everybody was happy that I was so happy because I didn't fit their, their, uh, their mode. It means able to spring back into shape after being bent, stretched, and compressed. Anyone able to spring back into shape. Now, I'm telling you, if we're resilient, the devil, he may knock us down, but he cannot knock us out. We are resilient. We are already moving back up whenever he pushes us down. We're not down there saying, what's going to happen? We're, we're going for the top. Amen. And the third word, this one's a little bit negative, but... I got it. It's the word fierce. And the reason it's negative, if you look up in the Bible, it'll talk about God's fierce anger. But it's the anger that's negative. The word means having or displaying an intensive aggressiveness. Huh. That's when you say devils are afraid of me. You know, most people can't say that because they're afraid of the devil. <laughs> and so they sure don't think the devil's afraid of them. It means to be powerful, strong, forceful, intense. Powerful. Are y'all powerful? We are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We are powerful. We are forceful. We are intense. I'm intense. Are you intense? I'm intense. I'm not, I'm not intense in every area, but there's a few areas that I'm intense, and you are too. You know, it may be your kids or your grandkids, depending on what time of life you are, or, or, or whatever, your marriage, you're just intense. Somebody comes in and, and, and flirts with your honey, hell hath no... <laughs> you're intense. You're like, I'm fierce. Honey, that's my husband, and I'm fixing to be fierce with you, and you'll, you'll, you'll wake up in heaven or hell and say, she was. <laughs> Fierce. It means to be uh, extremely eager to the limit. So this is an extreme word, fierce. 
It's, a, it's about as extreme as you can get in that category of emotion or character. It means to have extreme energy, fierce. So you can just see somebody, or I can, that's uh, fierce. They're just, they're unhinged. They're just, you can't stop them. You can't persuade them to settle down. They are fierce, and they're going after what they're going after, and they're not going to be stopped. You just just shoot them or break their legs, but you're not going to stop them as long as they can. And like I said, it's negative in the Old Testament. It's always something about God's fierce anger or His, uh, His mood or whatever, but the Word is positive in the New Testament, even though it's not in the New Testament when it's talking about uh, intensity and, and not letting go. Just, they're fierce. You can't placate this one. You can't uh, settle them down and say, well, now, you know, don't lose your cool. Oh, yeah, fierce is you lost your cool and you're warm and you're cool. You've lost everything. So we're going to encur- be encouragers by being intense or fierce and resilient and stalwart. Three good words. Now, I, we could look up men and women that were in the Bible that were all of these three things, but I didn't want to do that. Y'all can look up the Bible, and but, but it's in there. People are like that. That's what made them able to go the distance. So, yay. Woohoo, we're living above. We're living above. Going to have to have some resilience to live above. Because you you get knocked down seven times, you got to get up the eighth time, you know. And they say nobody drowns from falling in water; they drown from not getting out of water. We just got to keep getting up. And there's some old Billy out there. There's some things that that uh, stories that are so heartbreaking about people, and the, the the trap they fell in, and the and the unseeming fairness. Fair, uh, it's not fair that what they're going through, and they got babies, and they've been sweet, and they've been a Sunday school teacher, and they're being ravished by the devil in situations. And you go, that's not fair. Well, it's we got to be we got to be resilient, we got to be stalwart, just unflinching, and we got to be fierce. And you just can't ever say, you know, I think I'll just quit on this. It's you got to make it happen before you get tired. Being fatigued is real. Sitting under a condition or a problem is making you uh, f- uh, fatigued is real. The word says in Galatians um, uh, six nine. What does it say? Do not be weary in well doing, for we'll reap if we faint not. If we're if we'll reap if we're stalwart. We'll reap if we're resilient. We'll reap if we're fierce. We won't ever come off. And if we don't come off, we always win. It's not a matter of the, the, the battle being yes or no. If you stay in there, if you stay in there, you cannot lose. You cannot lose. It's just a matter of outlasting. You go, well, it's taking a long time. Well, just make it, just go till the end and it'll never happen again. And you'll help a lot of people with your victory. Testimonies are so powerful. Um, well, we do have to go, but testimonies, the Lord, if you can't, you've got to get a story together. You've got to resurrect your stories about, I know Pamela's got some, Melissa's got a herd of them. We've all got stories where at one time or another, and even though we were younger and weaker or, or not whatever, that we won. We won, and it was a big victory then, and uh, we may have lived, grown up since then and say, ah, 
do that all the time. Well, it's because of the testimony of that that we get strong. So we have to resurrect our testimonies. You've got to have a story, and you've got to be able to rehearse it in front of the devil and say, you want a piece of me? This is my story. And if you did it once, he's sure going to do it again. And I'm fierce, I'm stalwart, and I'm resilient, so bring whatever you got to bring, but I'll be here when they all go past me. You just got to be kind of, what, what was, you know, cocky, or I don't, that's not the right word, but you got to be kind of haughty about who you are in Christ without being prideful. So thank you for tuning in this evening to River Church here in Tuscaloosa. We love our city, and we love this church, and we love Jesus. So thank you for tuning in. Go and be strong. Be strong in the Lord. God wants you to be strong. Be strong in Jesus' name. Amen.